One of our pupils, Susan Foreman, came into this yard. Really? In here? Young man, is it reasonable to suppose that anybody would be inside a cupboard like that? Mm. What do you say, Perry? We can go on nature walks, have picnics, and jolly evenings around the campfire. Gentlemen, I've got news for you. This lighthouse is under attack, and by morning we might all be dead. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple, only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the doctor. These are my new best friends. I'm the doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast with your host, Eric Branson. My dear, I don't think he's as stupid as he seems. My dear, nobody could be as stupid as he seems. Now drop your weapons, or I'll kill him with this deadly jelly, baby. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. On this podcast, we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who in a completely random order. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I'm going to need a SWAT team ready to mobilise street-level maps covering all of Florida, a pot of coffee, 12 jammy dodgers and a fez. An apple a day keeps the, uh... No, never mind. Allons-y. I'm sorry? It's French. But let's go. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. You have landed at episode number seven or eight. Man, I can't even remember. It's like we've been so done so many by this point. But <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, welcome back to the Police Box in the Junkyard, and I appreciate you joining us. I'm your host, Eric Branson, and with me today is my favorite co-host, Mr. Asad Keshki. Uh, welcome back to the Police Box in the Junkyard. So. It's good to be back. <laughs> Uh, always great to have you here, and I appreciate uh, always coming back to talk who with us. It's uh, always a good time. So, oh, yes, it's one of my uh, favorite topics, and there's not much opportunity to discuss it these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to stay out of the generally, um, you know, negative uh, social media <laughs> space, and I don't want to get too far into that because I have my few like pages I like and I, I frequent, but there's a yeah. Yeah, well, a lot even of... those pages sometimes that overtaken by <laughs> things you might not expect to see, <laughs> or <Right. laughs> perspectives so, uh, you might not expect to see. So, <laughs> how are things going with you? And anything new um, in your life or in the world of who? I, I know you've had a big uh, premiere the other night. I don't know if you want to share any of, of that with uh, our sh- listeners. Sh- sure, it's a new uh, Liam Neeson movie, The Marksman, um, and I have a literally like a one line in it. <laughs> hey, it's a line that's great it's a line so yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a, nothing to sneeze at so <laughs> so that was uh, pretty exciting to see myself on the big screen see my name at the end credits and uh yeah it was a it was an ex- fun experience doing it so yeah, yeah. i mean it I mean, may have... well be the only time i do it but i hope it's not <laughs> <laughs> right you'll have to remember us all when you're rich and famous and you know. <laughs> I'll still be available for podcasts Doing, on yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah, you better. Be, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, did, so so your scene, your uh, your line. I'll, I'll call it your scene. It sounds better when you say your scene. Yes. <laughs> so your scene. Um, did you get to? Was it with um, Liam Neeson? It was with Liam Neeson. Yes. Some, yeah, yeah, it was just uh, it me and him like in the scene. No other boring characters or actors. <laughs> did you get? Did you get to do any? Um, any time, like, or did he, was he one of those, yeah, I walk on set, I do my thing and I'm gone, or is he more of a person that is, was he social at all with the... Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to, I just, I understand that he is actually pretty um, easy to hang out with, but unfortunately, yeah, sure. just the way the layout of the scene was, he 
uh, he comes into, uh, I'm in a motel uh, office and he comes into the office to get a room. Mm. So between takes, he would go back outside or he'd talk to the director and then go back outside to reshoot the scene. So didn't really get a chance to uh, chat with him. Chat with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. You still get to do a scene with him. So. Yes, yes. And the director, Robert Lorenz, I think he was... Uh, when it was uh, when I was done for the day, he was uh, nice enough to have me come over and talk to me for a few minutes. And oh, so that cool. was that was nice of him. It's always cool when people are take the time. Yeah, just in yeah. general, just take the time to have a few words and yeah. don't make you feel like you're, you know, just yeah, the definitely. hired help, even though you're just the hired help. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's some of them. It's nice to see sometimes some of the actors the way they. Um, do their stuff and I was an extra on the Avengers and the film one of the scenes that I was involved with was the scene which was supposed to be in Germany which was downtown Cleveland um, mm-hmm. where Loki makes everybody kneel and okay. uh, yep. Tom Hiddleston between takes he was like so super friendly and chatting with everybody around him unfortunately oh, cool. he was on the other side of the square from me but um, <laughs> the people who was who were there he was yeah it was pretty easy relaxed chatting with them so that was uh, that was cool to see yeah i always like to hear it when not only that people are social it's like, like i don't have that like oh people you know owe people a certain amount of interaction or something but i think when people are, are like that it just seems like they're having so much more fun with their work or what they do and yeah, um, yeah. you know so it's always a very positive it's very positive when you hear things about like that from you know big names like you know liam neeson or Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, so yeah. I definitely became a fan of uh, Tom Hiddleston at that point. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. I'll have to check out the Marksman at some point, and uh, <laughs> we'll, um, I'll find you in there. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So awesome. That's a great experience. And so hopefully, um, hopefully that will lead to more opportunities for you. It's uh, fingers it's crossed. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything new in the world of Doctor Who for you? I, since we've talked last time, there has been a holiday special. Yes, a and, festive uh, special. Yes. Um, any like I, because I don't want to like rob us of the opportunity at some point in the future to review that. Um, do you have like a very brief? Um, did you enjoy it? What are your like super brief thoughts on on Revolution of the Daleks? Since we're um, it, it was enjoyable. It had some nice character scenes. Um, there were a lot of issues I had with the, the plot. Yeah. Um, it had a interesting new uh, Dalek design uh, for the new Daleks that they develop. And um, yeah, so overall it was okay. I mean, um, I still, I remain a little skeptical of uh, Chris Chibnall. Mm. Um, I certainly preferred... Um, Moffat's uh, Christmas specials, yeah. And um, so I think when it comes to the my... festive special, I'm, <laughs> I I think in general I'm I'm in pretty much in agreement with you on the preference, but uh, especially when it comes to the the holiday specials so far, I think uh, Stephen Moffat really did a good job with those. Um, and I I hear some griping about it, like oh, but they're also Christmassy. It's like well, that's you know. It's a festive special. It's a holiday yeah, yeah. special. It's kind of kind of the point. I don't think they were ever too Christmassy, like to the point where they were like you know alienating you know pe- people that aren't celebrating at the time of the year. But sure, um, I and know, I think that like so. st- definitely it's Stephen Moffat. He definitely tried to make it very Christmas uh, with whatever either the 
things like you know Santa Claus or something or the other that's going on or well Christmas Carol is well you can't get much more <laughs> yeah. Christmassy than that but yeah, um, yeah just I think, I think my... that's just the writing was very crisp there were always a lot of um, very notable scenes and dialogue exchanges and stuff and um, Revolution was fine it had uh, like I said it had some nice character scenes plot wise there are a lot of issues that I had so maybe I should just i really should just relax <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, part of me part of me says that to myself too but i have a lot of i had a lot of the same issues with it um although generally when it got done like i felt like it passed the time it was exciting i i, I liked the kind of actiony feel to it however my one gripe with that is that i felt like the extended kind of character scenes that seemed like they were almost just kind of inserted into the uh, <laughs> the, the special didn't seem to fit it was like such a different style and so much slower and all of a sudden they were you know having a conversation it just seemed like something right out, out of a different episode right um like they were doing the big action you know jack's breaking her out breaking the doctor out of prison um you know all of this stuff's moving fast we got daleks on earth and yeah. uh, then all of a sudden we stop and the pace like slows to a crawl and we do this like long scene between the doctor and ryan and anyway like it that just kept kind of being the way it seemed like they just took this piece out of another episode and dropped it into the middle of a christmas special or a holiday special so yeah so that didn't work well for me, even though I didn't have a problem. Like I didn't hate the scenes or dislike anything. It just didn't seem to mesh together for me. Sure. Yeah. And they were pretty well written for the most part, but yeah. Well, we may have the chance to, if it pops up in the randomizer. Dissect it a little further. Yeah. So I won't say anymore. I'll leave that for the up to chance. But so what we are here to talk about today is uh, we're going to take a look or a listen that actually to the um, Big Finish Eighth Doctor Adventure uh, Phobos, which is from the first season of the independent Eighth Doctor Adventure. In the next episode of Doctor Who. In the door closing. Where are we anyway? Phobos. Martian Luna Park. Airlock depressurizing. Phobos is Greek for fear. They didn't know how right they were when they called it that. Depressurization complete. Why did you think Lucy was a monster? What monsters? Outer door open. Oh, is that Mars up there? Pretty, isn't it? Oh, pretty isn't the word. A senseless, vicious attack and not something a human could have done. I told you. Oh, God. More monsters. I've seen them. We get them everywhere we go. Strange animal things. Didn't they see us coming? Maybe I'm just good at finding them. They come from the wormhole. How far down does it go? No one knows. Yeah, nobody's ever hit the bottom. They're getting closer every day. Good to go. Up, up, and away! Phobos. <laughs> So when the eighth doctor, Paul McGann, first started doing work with Big Finish, he was part of the, or they built him into the original run, which featured the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth doctor in what they called the main range, or became known as the main range. When they first started, it's all there was. There was a monthly Doctor Who, and it would feature one of those doctors. I think when they got about nine or ten episodes in is when the first Paul McGann one showed up, and he did a series um of adventures with uh, India Fisher playing uh, Charlie Pollard, his his companion. Um, and those played out throughout the main range. The Big Finish Eighth Doctor Adventures, not to be confused with the BBC novel series, The Eighth Doctor Adventures, <laughs> um, is uh, was the first, I don't know if it was the first, I might have done some Companion Chronicles or whatever, but it was the first Doctor series, full cast series, I think to break off from the main range. And it also coincided with the 
show coming back. So Doctor Who is officially back on television at this point. Um, right. So I, I feel like they, they just from listening to a little bit of the Eighth Doctor Adventures, they hit the ground running with a new format. It's in New Who format. So they're like 45-minute one-off episodes. Right. Uh, they certainly have a through line throughout the series, but um, they're playing more with the modern pacing and uh, based on like a 45 minutes, a series of 45 minute stories with a light, you know, through line through the series season. Um, it fits very well into new who, even though it's, you know, the eighth doctor. Um, so yeah, they kind of hit the ground running. These also were not only made, uh, I think everything big finish had done up to that point had been only made for CD. So they were selling, you know, through their, um, catalogs through through festivals and through they didn't have downloads yet at this point I don't think um, and this was the first one I believe that was picked up by the BBC and actually aired on BBC 7 as a radio program as well so um, it was actually airing at some point in tandem with the new Doctor Who series so um, probably had a little bit more visibility at the time than um, and this was probably you know a major step forward for big finish because i right. think after this point they just kind of exploded and continue to explode to this day they just <laughs> add more and more and more stuff it's impossible to keep up with in a good yes. way i'm so happy there's <laughs> you know they have the success but it's mind-boggling yeah <laughs> um how, how how much big finish do you keep up with are you are you uh dip the toe in or are you pretty um regular uh, listener or? no i'm not a regular listener i keep uh, planning to do it but like you said <laughs> just the sheer scope of it is um really yeah <laughs> went too much the one thing that i have i haven't listened to all of them but the one thing that i did uh, get all of were the um the new unit series that the big finish put out okay yeah so the most recent i got them. yeah box sets with uh Kate Stewart and yes so um, those yeah. ones I actually got the um, box sets I have sort of transitioned more to getting most of them just uh, digitally yeah yeah They're same here I, I some of the stuff we do for the show like for I, I like I have the whole story about the CD getting lost with this show but <laughs> um, I have been buying them just for as collector's pieces it's kind of like my excuse to like well we're covering it on the show I going to keep it in you know in the collection so i bought a physical copy but in general i i am doing the same i i couldn't keep up with that and the price difference is so yeah. different like if it was yeah. a couple bucks i i would i would stick with uh the cds just because i like i'm a collector and i like yeah, to have yeah. them but there's well, the a cds are nicely designed the artwork yeah. and all is pretty nice the layout there in liner notes are pretty nice so all that is pretty neat yeah, I always loved about the Big Finish CDs is that they have they have their general cover that uses like current Doctor Who artwork for whatever, whenever it's current yeah. uh, with the logo and such. But on the back side of all the covers, you can flip them over and it's always got like the the um, artwork from that era of, of Doctor Who. So right. like in this case, it would have been, you know, eighth Doctor logo. So cool yeah but i always yeah. flip them by the way they're always in the, <laughs> with the uh, contemporary <laughs> not the uh yeah modern but um, they do have an excellent um app on uh the android app since that's the one i use yeah. so it makes it I very do. easy to listen to <laughs> most of my listening and for anyone out there that you know is listening to this by chance that hasn't really you know picked up on big finish um they have a just especially since like the lockdown in the UK has been going on and then, you know, COVID um, all over the world, 
they have been putting out such a large amount of really great free material that you can just jump on, download the app, and you'll be, you know, there's a weekly offering at least. Sometimes there's more than one. Um, and sometimes it's like a one-off, like you get an episode and you're going to want to hear more kind of thing to try to get you to, you know, bite. But sometimes they're just given a, you know, here's a whole story for free. Like this is, it's, you know, enjoy. So um, good way to dip your toe in. There's also some stuff, including the story we're going to talk about tonight, which is Phobos. Um, is streaming for, um, I was going to say for free, Spotify is a subscription service, but is available on Spotify, the music uh, subscription service as well. So they do have, I think the first like 150 or so releases are streaming right. there so as well. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's a lot of stuff and uh, we should probably get to talking about the one specific piece of it we're going to talk <laughs> about tonight. And that is uh, Phobos, which is the fourth episode of the first season. Um, the... Uh, Eighth Doctor Adventure starring Paul McGann and Sheridan Smith as his companion Lucy Miller, who will go on to be kind of a much loved and well remembered um, companion. Um, get a quick synopsis of this thing uh, from Big Finish. The TARDIS lands on Phobos, moon of Mars, where extreme sports nuts of the future indulged their passion for gravity boarding and wormhole jumping. But there's something lurking in the shadows, something infinitely old and infinitely dangerous. It's not for nothing that Phobos is an ancient word for fear. So, yeah, gives you the, the basics. But yeah, the, the Doctor and Lucy um, land, almost kind of crash land in a way, <laughs> on this uh, the moon of Phobos and um, discover themselves in the middle of a kind of resort for uh, what the story has dubbed drennies or adrenaline junkies and extreme sports nuts uh, who mm -hmm. are, yeah, literally uh, doing their gravity Space boarding. Space extreme like, sports, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the feature of the of Phobos for these uh, drennies is the, um, a, if I imagined it correctly, it is kind of an bottomless pit hole that has some kind of weird gravity anomaly going on where you can like literally dive down the hole and fall for as long as you um, right. and you won't like smash into the walls so they use it for a bungee jumping type you know yeah, yeah. nobody scenario, knows how deep it is so. because yeah <laughs> makes you wonder how anybody first jumped in in the first place oh, well. <laughs> right like who came up with that <laughs> idea but anyway yeah so the main setting it's, it's a place called lunar park that was originally supposed to be a ho resort hotel that that idea was abandoned and kind of taken over by drennies the story is set in the year human year 2589 so it doesn't really play into it anywhere but they do mention it on multiple points uh the doctor actually i believe even checks at one point what year it is and so um, don't know if that comes up with any of the tie-in stuff that uh, is going on with the headhunter and everything else that's going on in the background of the season, but there's very little of that going on in this episode. This is pretty yeah. much a, um, it's, it's pretty self-contained. Yeah, yeah self-contained. It's also a very typical and not necessarily in a bad way, but it's a very typical Doctor Who story. Like, you know, the Doctor and Companion show up in this place. They figure out where they're at. There's a big mystery going on involving, you know, the the local myths and legends and monsters and, you know, they kind of dig into finding out what's going on. So um, was this the first time that you'd heard Phobos? This, uh, yeah, this I hadn't uh, heard this one before. Out of curiosity, is this the, were you familiar with uh, this series or the eighth doctor and Lucy Miller at all? 
Uh, not with Lucy Miller. I mean, it's, I don't, at least I don't think so. But I mean, I know that there with the audio companions, there've been a lot of different ones that, uh, yeah. I don't, that I, because I, my purchases, I've usually been pretty random. So I have to <laughs> say, okay, I, I, I don't know who this one is, but that's fine. Yeah. It's a companion. <laughs> and I had some familiarity with this because of the fact that it was available on Spotify. So at one point I went through and listened to, I think this entire season. Um, <laughs> and this may, this may, uh, be showing my hand on my later review of the episode, but I actually had not remembered that I had heard this before until I started hearing it. And then I was like, oh, okay, this sounds very familiar. Because <laughs> I could not put my finger on, even from reading a synopsis, like, what episode was that? I thought I listened to all of them, but this doesn't sound familiar at all. And then I got into listening to it and I went, oh, I think it's what um, the, the character of, um, oh, it was the name Farl, the, the Gideon. Yeah. Um, okay is uh which is kind of a big kind of furry humanoid character um i i remembered him out of all things to remember in the story but i remembered his <laughs> you know his character and the kind of the situation with him and his you know human wife right not being able to live in their society because he wasn't supposed to marry outside of it so out of all things to remember that's what clicked the memory on but uh, yeah so it's uh this uh Phobos was directed by Barnaby Edwards, written by Eddie Robson. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Paul McGann and Sheridan Smith. Also uh, starring a series alum um, named Neris Hughes, who pay, plays Eris. Neris plays Eris in this uh, um, <laughs> in Phobos. But she uh, played the, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember her name, but in, in Kinda, the, right, like, the lead of the human settlement the, the fall companion for that story <laughs> yeah um and she also uh played reese williams mother on torchwood uh i believe uh, okay. which i don't recall her doing but um i can't remember how that comes in but it says it here so it must be true right but i didn't know that <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i guess her character is todd and uh, todd that's Kinda. right yep I wanted to say, for some reason, it was ringing a bell that it was like a male name, but I couldn't come up with like, or a stereotype, I should say a stereotypically male name, but um, I couldn't come up with which what it was. So didn't was want to start to, guessing. Yeah, when I first uh, heard her name, I was thinking, oh, what? I know she's I've seen her in something. And then fortunately in the behind the scene uh, docu comments, she like in the first minute says that, yes, well, I did kinda. I said, oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yep. <laughs> so yeah that's what tipped, <laughs> tipped me off as well so <laughs> but otherwise yeah. i'm not sure i would have put it together but um so yeah as i was like mentioning before this this is kind of a i don't want to like really like beat up on it for being run-of-the-mill because it's not entirely run-of-the-mill but it's 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 a very tried and true formula for doctor <laughs> who like mm -hmm. um like we were saying they they crash land, they show up and there's a you know mystery going on. You know, there's these uh suppose that there's this old man who runs the who's kind of the groundskeeper of the uh, uh I don't know, settlement. It's not really a resort at this point, but yeah, it's where all these people are hanging out, extreme sports people. Uh yeah. named Kai, and Kai and Eris are the two people who are kind of running the joint at the and Kai yeah. is convinced and tells everybody that these are, there's these uh, monsters called phobians that are, you know, hunting and eventually killing. I, I think the killing doesn't start until, you know, the doctor shows up, essentially. Um, 
but I really couldn't wrap my head around some of the like finer points. I even listened to this a second time, but yeah, yeah. I have to confess that I had the same thing. I, I like <laughs> listened to it twice, and there was it was like, yeah, this is something here that's just not um, fitting together somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, a lot. But... There's a lot that's going on in like a 45-minute uh, story. Probably, in some ways, there's a little too much going on. Mm-hmm. So, because even the whole thing about, you know, that oh, the first it was being developed as a resort, and then it became a hippie colony, and then it became extreme sports, <laughs> and then you, know, oh, you right. find out it what... went through hippie colony as well. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I and mean, they give you what... all of that in like, <laughs> uh, you know, 35-second. Uh, info dump like that piece of dialogue it's like oh great hopefully this is going to be useful and turns out it's not so yeah (laughs) but yeah and i mean i know that you said that you remembered them but really the whole fall and amy storyline is another one that's like it's like i'm not it's not really doing anything yeah i don't know if i remembered it because i thought it was fantastic for some reason it's that's what stuck in my head uh um I don't, I don't know why. Cause yeah, it has, well, we talked about it a little bit with the two doctors. It has these like side characters where two, you know, there's all these, like, honestly, it's like kind of like an episode of that show, like, you know, coupling or whatever, because um, right. <laughs> literally it's like doctor and Lucy forming one couple. There's a couple of extreme sports uh, nuts, uh, two guys who one is uh, obviously in love with the other and kind of pining over him. And that, that comes out towards the end. Uh, um, and then he, after all of the development, you know, drops the ball on like actually like saying anything to him, <laughs> right. end, which is yeah, disappointing. Like um, and then um, Farrell and um, what's, yes. what was her name? Um, uh, Amy. Amy. A- Amy. That's yes, right. Amy. Yeah. Farrell and Amy. Um and then Kai and Eris. So it's like all of these like couples at different stages of um, their relationships. And that's what I, I thought was gonna, when I really started like thinking about it, I'm like, oh, that's gonna play into, you know, this thing. It's, it's gonna be about relationships somehow because they have all of these and they're, they're all very like markedly in these like situations, tough, you know, difficult situations. And then there's, um, you know, the forbidden love and there's uh, right just, and then it just, doesn't go any, like it has nothing to do with it <laughs> like that that's just i don't yeah. know why all the characters in it are coupled off that way um yeah. it's peculiar um even farl doesn't come across as a particularly pleasant <laughs> no he's not real likable at all i mean you kind of feel for him because the you know the kind of people are and it turns out in the end kai who ends up being kind of the quote-unquote bad guy in this movie he's the one that's uh programmed these phobians um, to to kill uh, these kill the Drennies to try and ward off. Uh, anyway, we're, we'll get to it. It's, it yeah. gets crazy, <laughs> um, but it uh, you kind of feel bad that you know he's a little bit for him because he's getting teased by people and such. But then you find out that they're all getting wind, wound up by Kai anyway. Um, right. He's really the one kind of. But yeah, he's he's not likable. Like he resorts to violence pretty much immediately to deal with the pro- his problems. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk to Amy uh, for most of the, including yeah. like trying to break it off with her and leave her stranded on a alien planet. Or, yeah. I mean, you kind yeah. of think that there's going to be some sort of uh, payoff when they say that, Oh, you know, there's there are people hunting for us, but 
no, that doesn't really have anything to do with anything either. <laughs> yeah, it was just more backstory that doesn't actually, I mean, I guess it gives you, you would think it would give you characters that felt a little more well-rounded, but I'm not sure that's ever accomplished here because there's too many. Like right. if they were focused on like one situation, I mean, maybe, but. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they. another thing that's pretty standard Doctor Who here is that they come in into a situation where there's these mythic monsters, these phobians that Kai's telling everyone about. And the phobians actually end up being an advanced piece of tech. <laughs> like right. they, they are a security drone system of some sort that Kai has programmed and, and is controlling. Um, that's pretty standard stuff. And not that it's bad because they do that really well sometimes. Yeah. But this one seemed a little bit like, because it just kind of comes off as like an afterthought, like, oh, they're they're mechanical. Oh yeah, he's controlling him. Oh, he's killing everyone, and it's just like like two sentences, and then they're off running after him. And I mean, it's kind of disappointing that the Doctor doesn't make any reference to colony in space. But maybe they were trying to make this more accessible. To <laughs> I do have a audience. feeling that yeah, a lot of this <laughs> this series especially um, are like that. It's kind of like they hit reset on it a little bit, and it is you know self-contained and it's trying to be accessible because I think they were getting that exposure yeah. um, through the, the airplay. But yeah, I, I think it, it's almost totally devoid of any references to anything else where everywhere else in Big Finish is just chock full of them. Like that's right. it's full of yes. fan service. That's what they do. Then they do it really well. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so what do you think about, so it's, because you're kind of new to the situation, like what do you think about um, and I'm going to divert a little bit and then we'll get back into the story and kind of the wild turn it takes at the end. Um, but Lucy and the doctor. So Sheridan Smith's Lucy Miller has become, at least I believe the people I've talked to, like one of the most beloved big finish, um, companions. Um, I don't know how much you know about Lucy, so I won't go like dive into like, you know, where everything goes or what, what's going on with Lucy. Um, but what do you think about her just in Phobos? Like, um, their, I don't know too much about Lucy at all. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know too much about Lucy at all. But um, uh, no, I thought she was a good companion. She's uh, pretty much a modern companion. She's uh, pretty sassy. Um, she's going off and uh, doing stuff on her own <laughs> and sometimes needing some rescuing. But um, no, she's uh, so, yeah, no, as a, I thought she was a pretty good uh, companion. Yeah, so, I, I think mean, it... I like her a lot and I like the way that she and Paul McGann play off of each other like they're very good. And unfortunately, this episode is probably not like the best example, but they have some moments where they're good in this. They don't get to stay together very often unless they're in classic, you know, right. classic who fashion. They are <laughs> they are split apart and <laughs> almost immediately. And, you know, one part of the story is the Lucy part of the story and one part's the doctor part. And um, right. again, Again, how is reunited kind of... in time to get captured together? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yep, <laughs> tied up and yeah, it's it's cookie it's cookie cutter who in a lot of ways, and that's another one, <laughs> another way that it is. Um, yeah. Which is not a bad thing. So no, it's not. When done well, it, that can be one of it's <laughs> yes. like comfort food, right? It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. yeah. I mean, I, um, and I guess we're not really bothered about spoilers in, in these discussions, right? No, I, I mean, generally, I, I, I guess I should just throw those out, throw that out there at the beginning that, yeah, we tend to do, you know, spoiler reviews. So um, especially in the case where this is older stuff and it's available, like this is out there to listen to. Um, 
if it was something brand new, I would feel a little, sure. yeah, I feel a yeah, little that more makes sense. like we should that avoid it. But, yeah. but yeah, this no, is from I, 2007, so. <laughs> right, and I encourage anyone, and I, this should be at the top of the show, obviously, but I encourage anyone to go check it out prior to listening, just so, because we are going to spoil it. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did think it was, uh, they did this, they did a nice little inversion of expectations right in the beginning, where you expect that the person who's been swept into the, dark caverns is going to be fall victim to something terrible, but <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not poorly written. It's not like offensively bad anywhere. It just, no, no. Um, I'm not sure. Like we, we pointed out a couple of times. I'm not just not sure where, where Eddie Robson was going with some of his like large amounts of character information we're given that just don't ever really go anywhere. I mean, maybe he was just trying to give it a little more of a, you know, backstory atmosphere better understanding of what we're dealing with but yeah, it might have been nice, a little bit but... too might have been just a few too many characters i think to dive into in the in the amount of time given is this this was done over four episodes right uh, like they like <laughs> they often are it it might have been a different story but um right yeah yeah, so... yeah that's too much and definitely i i think that farl and the amy thing was pretty unnecessary for the most part yeah, I think uh, if there was one set of characters that they could have gotten rid of without any issue, that would probably have yeah. been those two. <laughs> yeah, because they they need Drew and Hayden uh, to get you know to get everyone out there on the whatever. I, I was going to say like the slopes or the mountain, but it's not really. It's like a mountain <laughs> and the the wormhole thing, which isn't a wormhole. It's just the name of the you know gravity tube or whatever. Um, and. Yeah, I have to agree that the the Farl and Amy one is the one that just doesn't because they're they're not Drennies, they're not hippies, the people old people that are still there. They're they're like, you know, outcasts from a different society. Their their story doesn't have to be here. Like it's right. just yeah. Um, yeah, and and there doesn't ever end up being a reason why it has to be there. Like it doesn't end up one of them is in, intertwined into the story heavily. They're just always kind of on the periphery. Right. Yeah. So. Um, you know, whatever, it's fine. But <laughs> um, so, I guess unless you got some, some some more to talk about about the middle section of the story, I kind of wanted to talk about the the ending and that that's kind of takes a you know a big left turn in the last like you know fifteen minutes of this thing, and you find out that not only has Kai been using these phobians slash security drones to kill adrenaline junkies on this planet. Uh, his his motive for doing so is actually to discourage people from coming here because there is some sort of an elder god from another dimension breaking through uh, using the wormhole portal, this thing this people are bungee jumping down, uh, to actually break through into this dimension. Um, this god-like creature, as he describes it, which we're not given ever given much more than that. Right. Um, feeds on fear but it has to be a certain type of fear yes. this is where it gets interesting you know, regular fear is not good that kind of makes it sick or you know upsets its tummy or something um it has to be the right. kind euphoric of like fear euphoric fear so that's it's why like... it's feeding on adrenaline junkies right and yeah. they kind of made it seem like almost like religious uh, you know fear of god kind of fear but I don't know if that always brings joy, but the yeah, something where it's a very willing, like um, I don't know, joyful fear. 
it's a very, very strange place for this story to go. Yeah, I mean, they tell you that, okay, so that's why this god also arranged for whatever, all the different gravity shifts in the area and arranged for it to be all the different extreme sports to be set up so that people will come and do the, have their euphoric fear yeah. up there. I mean, it's pretty, pretty savvy uh, god from another dimension, gotta yeah, say. Just to get like right to the right place, like it's interdimensional <laughs> portal opens up, right? So maybe it can find, you know, where there's that kind of fear that it feeds on, but um kai has been aware of this and has been communicating with it um i kind of get the impression at points communicating with it because he thinks it's going to eventually overtake him or take him because he talks about his fate a couple of times right. and, uh but when it actually ends up manifesting itself it manifests itself in eris his uh, not wife but like lifelong partner right um and then of course he is not happy with the, you know, the way things are going. He wanted yeah. to save, I assume it, I kind of get the picture. He was doing all of this to try and save Eris, but you would well, think maybe just being a little more honest with her would have been the first step, but. <laughs> yeah. It's like what he's trying to do is he's trying to actually save the universe by keeping the entity from coming. So he's, so he's just trying to scare people. So they're actually just scared and not happy and scared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the whole thing is just, it's kind of. It's <sighs> that little like tiny, like differential between scared and ha like happy scared, like adrenaline scared. But I don't yeah. know. I didn't get the I mean, distinction. That's a very, it's a very, really. like a very sensitive palette that that particular God yeah. has. <laughs> yeah, like very, very picky eater. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think one of the issues, and I, I don't know if this is, and that's maybe a direction thing, is that Kai doesn't come across it. He, as I know you're supposed to later on, it's like the sort of the reveal is that, oh, actually he was working to foil this God. Yeah. But it doesn't come across that way earlier. He's no. like very smug. He's very, um, you know, he's, very sort of the smarmy evil sort of person. So it doesn't like come across like he's doing things reluctantly or anything like that. Even when he like zaps uh, the doctor and uh, Lucy and he's getting ready to toss them down the wormhole. It's, it's all very, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah he turns how. into like the, you know, <laughs> arch villain for a little while. And then like at the end, I, they, I think they expect, it's like the writer expects the turn of events and you finding out like, oh, he was doing this for the good of the universe to redeem him in some way. And for me, I'm not sure it's enough. Like right. he was literally murdering people with robots. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. And even that like, is something that again, like, um, and I, you know, it's, you have a, it's a short story. So obviously yeah. there, but again, it's like, so he's been trying to do this for, years you get the picture but mm -hmm. um, you know but he didn't even like have these robots dressed up as monsters earlier even just <laughs> to scare people maybe even not to kill them but you know just to have them actually appear because he's he's saying that, oh nobody else ever saw except one child i was the only person who ever saw any of these monsters so <laughs> that's why nobody believes me yeah it's like this is not a well thought out plan <laughs> no 
Like, I guess he's an amateur villain. (laughs) Right. Well, and I get the picture that, you know, from a, from a story standpoint, the loss of Eris, because she ends up not making it through, you know, the God when the God expires, uh, which we'll get to in a second, because I do want to talk about how the doctor defeats the monster. But of course the doctor defeats the monster. I shouldn't have to tell you that, but um, the Eris does not make it through. And so like his, his pain of losing, you know, his partner, is supposed to redeem him maybe, but still it's like, no, cold-blooded premeditated murder. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It doesn't quite get there. Like I, be- I, I believe that he's in a lot of pain because this person he cared for is, is gone, but it's still like, for me, it's not enough. It's like, he's not, it's, I don't know. He just doesn't yeah. get his yeah. comeuppance. Like, um, and the fact that the doctor seems cool with it, just right. like leave him be, you know, yeah. it doesn't seem, <laughs> like the way the doctor would handle that. Like he'd at least be snarky with him (laughs) or like, you know, indignant about it. Um, If not, you know, getting back at him in some way, but right. So yeah, the, the doctor and the way that he uh, defeats this villain, this God from another dimension. What do you think about uh, it's actually one of the the only things I liked about the, uh, this, but what what were your thoughts? Uh, It's the final climax. It's pretty uh, pat. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, if we if we can discuss that in a little more detail. So basically, it's the old um, just overfeed until it yeah. blows up. So whether you know, so it's a pretty uh, standard sci-fi way of, I guess, defeating your villain. You yeah, I believe in too much energy. Give them too much fear. There was those. I mean, uh, and I know this game before, the Rings of Akhenaten, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to bring up as we saw the same thing in the Rings of Akhetan. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely, I was trying to think there's at least another one somewhere where, yeah, off the top of my head, it's not, but this has been done a few times for sure. The just the overfeeding and right. um, in the Rings of Akhetan, I think it was, um, what, just the feeding him the, the the god like the experience of yeah the doctor like it you know tripped over his you know eons of existence and all of the actually i think it does the same thing it's all of the loss and all of the you know it, this one focuses on fear and that focuses on generally right. just kind of the plagues of be, the plague of being immortal right all the loss and kind of yeah. suffering through um but it's generally the same ending yeah <laughs> like it's, so. uh, the idea is the same but again it's not a not as it's a it's been done before in other sci-fi things. So, right, right. I mean, it's it's fine. Again, it's like a forty-five-minute episode. They've spent a lot of other time waffling over possibly unnecessary things, as trying to build char- other characters. So, you got to wrap it up <laughs> quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the final confrontation is pretty quick. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take much to overload this guard. Anybody coming to this fresh, maybe getting, you know, the Lucy Miller perspective of the doctor here. So she doesn't know him very well. This is her, the fourth adventure they've been together. Um, she keeps learning things about him. And, she, and twice in this episode, she has really good lines about like, oh, well, um, he says something about, or the, I think the God says something. Oh, no, it's earlier in it. But he says something about, oh, I've seen. Oh, no, it's when Farrell threatens him. Right, and yeah, he says, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen the ends of civilizations, and I've seen, you yeah. know, the um, destroyed species, and all this. I don't know. I don't remember the line. I should have written it down because I liked it. But um, and Lucy pretty much catches up with him. And it's like all that stuff you said with him is that true? And like she's just really getting a grasp right. 
of who the doctor is, like how long he's lived and how, you know, these, the things that he's been involved with. Um, and at the end, after this whole situation, um, the, basically the battle with this God fear God monster is just him kind of like do dropping some loose references to other things that have happened in the past. Um, very nonspecific (laughs) ones because it's, you know, I think, I do think you're right. I think your suspicion is right that they were kind of trying to keep this untethered from the original. So, you know, new people that are getting into Doctor Who through the new Eccleston series. Um, and actually by the point this came out, it would have been David Tennant, but, um, could, could listen to this and, and, you know, feel like they were, you know, not lost, but, um, but she says a really great thing to him about like, well, I don't know, like, I don't even know anymore who's scarier you or these monsters. Um, and so she, yeah, she's having these realizations of kind of the, the darker side of the doctor. And I think every companion has to come to terms with this at some point. And I think that's, if anything was good in Phobos, those moments of her kind of realizing, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's fun and games. We get to travel all over the universe and, you know, we battle monsters and the doctor is this, you know, kind right. of larger than life character, but there's a dark side to this. Like yeah. there's this, um, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I will say that it did. Uh, I, I think I would be interested in maybe listening at least to the rest of this uh, series of uh, stories to see where they started and where they end up. I yeah, it's it's yeah. been a long time since I've heard it, but I remember really enjoying it. And I, because I didn't really remember this one, I have a feeling this was a, one of the weaker stories in the series. But I do remember enjoying a lot of them quite a bit, and really enjoying Lucy and the Doctor and the you know. Right. Um, yeah, so I may have to check that up and see, especially since the whole story ends with the <laughs> hook. <laughs> so yep. yeah, so I had forgotten that about it too. But the um, there is a th- like a through line plot line through the entire series of of Lucy being tracked by a character called the Headhunter, and that that does in the series finale tie up it's it's very similar to um and not similar i won't you know and i don't want to spoil anything because you haven't heard it but not similar in the way of it doesn't end up like being the same character or anything so don't worry i'm not spoiling it but it's similar to what they did with missy in the eighth series of doctor who or she just kind of pokes her head up has a few lines here and there and then you're just kind of wondering what the situation is you don't get much with her until all of a sudden like oh now we're in the middle of a situation and now it makes sense like what's what's going on so it's cool it's it's a it's a good payoff it's it's well written um and this i will a cool say that series, first time you know? i listened to it when they were they were doing the cast list at the end and they said you know so and so as amy and the headhunter and suddenly i was like headhunter who's the headhunter <laughs> yeah because they never character. used that they used the word the name rose or something in there rosa yeah. or something <laughs> yeah I and mean, i thought fishing. that did i did i like did some Hunter track down Farl and Amy and I missed that part. Did <laughs> <Yeah>. something skip? <laughs> yeah. So that that is the downside to hearing this out of context, like as yeah. just a single story. It totally works. Like, but there's a couple of those right. little moments that you're, you know, gonna be yeah. a little lost. So yeah. It's is what it is. But yeah, I, I I wish I could tell you a little a little, a little more detail, but I do remember enjoying that series and now I'm curious. I might go back since they're all just on I have a Spotify subscription, so I should just go check them out yeah, again yeah. but sure. um i should check it actually i own i think i own on cd the first the first in this series which is called dead london um i'm pretty sure i had that, that meh, maybe that's the first of the second series i don't know i own too many but <laughs> 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 anyway so yeah i guess um 
do you have any other final thoughts about Phobos or anything you, we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about yeah. before we get around to grading this thing? I think this, and uh, again, it, uh, maybe I get too annoyed by things like that, but like um, the whole um, with Hayden and Drew, I guess it's just uh, like Hayden came across also as a pretty obnoxious person, <laughs> especially when, you know, they found one of their friends dead, the other of their friends in uh, mourning because it was her boyfriend. And the next day he's like, all well, I'm ready to hit the slopes. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not well, even let's like, <laughs> let's not that, let that little thing ruin this vacation. You know? <laughs> it's like YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those sort of things always sort of just sort of come out and it's, uh... yeah, it makes it kind of ruins the whole like, you know, <laughs> subplot of, you know, Drew being you know having feelings for him and yeah. you know not be, kind of coming to terms with that it kind of ruins that because you're like oh no dude not that guy like yeah. that guy's a jerk <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, yeah, you could do better but <laughs> yeah and and i don't know where drew and hayden fall into like uh, the first um we fall into as far as gay couples and who uh literature are concerned yeah, I, I'm not sure. I would be surprised if they're the first, but um, I don't know, 2007. Yeah, not yeah, sure. I mean, we are. Jack I mean, by that Jack, point, course, I guess by that point, had, Jack, yeah, so. Jack has shown up. So, <laughs> and then you can, it was never explicit, but you can go back to, you know, um, the latters, like latest series of the classic series with, you know, Ace kind of having a questionable sexuality mm -hmm. um but again it was never it was never explicit they couldn't you know be explicit right. on tv with that kind of stuff at the point um yeah. but uh, andrew cartmills and, and sophie aldred has have said on multiple occasions that it's definitely something that they had discussed and it was it was there it was definitely there in the subtext but yeah definitely right. not out in the open so yeah i'd be curious to find out like where where they lie but unfortunately it never resolves like they just kind of leave it there um yeah they get kind of uh um, interrupted by the uh continuing narrative <laughs> plot element <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which i found disappointing like and not that i really really was invested in in drew and hayden but right. at the same time it's like why did we take all this time to then not resolve any of it like drew right. is drew had you know found his courage and he was ready to say something and then Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> just another kind of little thing about the story that was kind of disappointing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's a fun enough way to spend an 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. But yeah, it's perfectly it's, it, serviceable. It feels short and sweet. Like even compared to other big finish stuff, like this series of eight doctor adventures that all run at that 45 minutes they're all they all seem very brief to me because you know usually they're a little longer. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of refreshing in a way. Like it just, it shows that the modern format works very well in audio as well. So it's uh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, any, anything else about Phobos or do you want to throw a, give this thing a grade? Yeah. Not my, I can't think of anything else that uh, really, uh, yeah. Can't really think of anything else. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's do it out of, I think, um, Let's go out of five phobians for lack of a better <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit of a weak choice but we'll, we'll go with phobians so. sure uh, i'll go with the maybe three phobians out of five it's it's fine it's one of those adventures which you can i think at the end of the day all i can really say is 
it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to be with you on almost all of those points. It's, it's not offensively bad. It, it's a good thing. If you got, you know, doing some housework, turn on and, you know, listen to it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, like I said, a pretty cookie cutter, uh, doctor who adventure. The cast is good. Uh, Paul yeah. McGann's always great. I mean, yeah, I, yes. in my opinion, I'm a big fan of the eighth doctor, especially as he develops in big finish. Um, Lucy Miller's a good, a good, uh, companion. I, I enjoy Sheridan Smith in this series as well. This is not one of my favorite stories, but just it being that TARDIS team, um, I'm happy listening to it to a certain extent. But I think the storytelling like, is a little bit, I don't know, it just misses the mark in a lot of places. Like, It puts a lot of emphasis on things that aren't super important to the narrative. And then when the narrative does do this crazy plot twist that needs some right. explanation, it's a, it doesn't really give it to you. So, yeah, that's um, yeah. a lot of info dumping and... Um... And yeah, it's very, it's very weird. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he, Eddie Robson might not not have been sure exactly what what his god character was. I mean, um, I guess the thing that bugs me the most is just that distinction between those certain types of fear. Like, why does the doctor, you know, why does the fear that the doctor, you know, right, have uh, inspires? Um, why does that kill it when, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so it's just. <laughs> That distinction is very like you could really make you know make up an excuse that any kind of fear goes either way. So yeah, so, especially since I think that uh, Kai says that well, the doctor's fear is really feeding the guard because his fear is he enjoys be- getting stuck into difficult yeah. situations. So <laughs> yeah, I, and I thought that was kind of a clever line or a clever situation to put the doctor in, but and that was the line I was trying to think of earlier where Kai insinuates that the the killing has started because the doctor showed up but i was like oh wait but you were killing people yeah. with robots so what does that really have to do with the doctor yes. like you know, anyway oh. but yeah so it's a little sloppy in places and and, and I, it's far from my favorite but it's it's also not like my least favorite thing least favorite doctor who story <laughs> i've ever heard either and all yeah. doctor who stories are fun to listen to especially for free on spotify if you have it so um i think i'm gonna go with uh, a little bit lower but a 2.5 out of five phobians, just middle of the road one for me. Uh, yeah. As part of the series, and I, I'll have to you know go back and really listen to it again to let you know for sure. But as part of the series, I feel like perhaps it's a little less disappointing just because you're going through episode by episode, and I sure. don't think it's bad enough to like be like, no, I never want to hear that again. Like it's, uh, yeah. Like I said, yeah. I mean, both you and I listened to it twice, in, right. in, in, <laughs> so it, it wasn't so bad that I couldn't do that. That's uh, it was yeah. fine. But, yeah, I definitely yeah. Uh, so, need to listen to, I think, the rest of this Eighth Doctor series. So Yeah. I think I'll revisit it, too, at some point. I say that. Hopefully I will. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to revisit it. I remember enjoying it quite a bit. So, Well, as we always do at this point of the show, I'm going to fire up the good old randomizer and find out what it is we're going to be enjoying next time around in the police box. And... Um, yeah, let me go ahead and punch that big red button. Next time on the Police Box and the Junkyard Podcast, we will be listening to the audiobook of Doctor Who and the Cricket Men by James Goss. And that is uh, the uh, novel that James Goss finished based on Douglas Adams' unfinished 
scripts, notes, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, and specifically well, the audio... that he eventually ended up using in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So <laughs> right, right. So um, I have not read the book before, and this specifically is the audiobook, which is read by Dan Starkey. So um, oh. should be. I think he he sounds to me like a good person to read a Douglas Adams Doctor Who story. That just seems like it fits nicely. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one uh, for sure. I think this will be a little longer than Phobos to listen to. <laughs> yes, yeah, I do think it will be. Although there, I've listened to a few of the BBC like novel um, audiobooks, and they're they're still not like incredibly long. They're they're I don't know if they abridge them or whatever, but they, uh, yeah, they get through them pretty quickly. But yeah, I mean, they're not like the ones that are like yeah. Some of them are some not written audio books are like 40 50 hours it's like yeah yeah i'm in the middle of, a, of one right now that's like that <laughs> you're really getting your worth out of your audible credit yeah with that with those ones <laughs> yeah so we'll check that out and i hope everybody will come back and join us for the uh, discussion of doctor who and the cricket men audiobook and um we'll uh see everybody next time all well, thank you asad for joining us again and yeah, it's um, always i it's always say it's always a refer to you as my favorite <laughs> co-host because i essentially uh, pretty much think you uh think of you that way now so you're always welcome <laughs> back i give you a first choice on any of these you're interested in so uh, i'll always, always say a, yes so. <laughs> okay always a pleasure to have you so i'm sure we'll be talking to you soon absolutely cool and i'd like to remind everybody else to join us in the discussion at the uh on the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast Facebook group. That's a mouthful. Um, but yeah, it's on the Facebook group. I'll throw out a call for any of these. And I always consider this to be a community podcast. So if anybody out there listening um, would like to join us for one of these discussions, we'd love to have you. Um, just uh, when the call goes out, just let me know that you're interested and we'll make sure and uh, get you on the show. So that's um, kind of was my, my idea from the get-go is to try and get just kind of emulating all the wonderful experiences that we have at, at fan conventions and such and just kind of getting together and chatting about Doctor Who. So anyway, without any further ado, I will uh, sign off for this time and we'll see you next time on the Police Box and the Junkyard podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again for listening. I hope you will consider joining us next time for our discussion about a Doctor Who television story, as well as our discussions about Doctor Who audio adventures, both audio books and audio plays. Also, we will be doing discussions of Doctor Who novels, nonfiction books, and other fun stuff. Until next time, I have been your host, Eric Branson, and this has been the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Special thanks to all of our guests and contributors. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of the Video Junkyard podcast family and can be found on most major podcast providers including SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podcast Addict, and Spotify. Doctor Who theme composed by Ron Grainer, arranged as Doctor Who retro theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC. Bergen, host and producer of the Doctor Who Collectors Podcasts. Now that you're listening to a thorough discussion of random Doctor Who episodes, why not find them on the Target book range, or the hardcover, or anything else with Doctor Who? For all things Doctor Who collectibles, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you find your Doctor Who podcasts. 
also a proud member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard Podcast. You ask him, he may show it. He simply elevates a stone where you want Hello, fellow time travelers. I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. 